Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is TV worth talking about. You didn't float up the wagon on a bubble. I'm veering towards muffins. Stop making a turn of yourself and piss off. This is Shrine of Duty. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Shrine of Duty. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rebecca. I won't lie to you, fellas. It's been quite an exciting week for us. Mother <laughs> of God. We got to watch one of the best, if not the best episode of Line of Duty ever, along with 10 million other fans. I, it's it's up there. I th- I think it's my favourite episode ever. It was gripping. Jimmy Nesbitt, a.k.a. DCI Marcus Thurwell, has been getting a tan in Spain that Jimmy Lakewell would be proud of. Hashtag Pat's back. And Carmichael is still probably the most passive-aggressive person on the planet. We found out the identity of Joe Davidson's blood relative and, more importantly, the identity of that hairy man. <laughs> the hairy man. You're obsessed with the name. hairy man. And my Fitbit was going 90 at that jaw-dropping cliffhanger ending. Guys, I've rewatched it twice. So I've seen it three times and that ending, it's just as good every single time. In today's episode, Brendan will be bringing you a detailed recap. Hannah has all of the lines of Juicy along with what to expect from episode six. And of course, we will be sifting through your many, many excellent theories. First though, guys, we have to talk about two big things, right? (laughs) First up, um, Mm -hmm. after consuming several large Jill and tonics on Friday evening, we got a Twitter notification (laughs) from a lovely listener to tell us (laughs) that the podcast had been mentioned in The Guardian, right? The paper called the podcast irreverent (laughs) (laughs) and I just say here the three of us were separately a bit pissed on Friday when we got this like message was it worship in the fire pit in the garden (laughs) we all had quite a few wines and started talking about it in our Shrine of Duty WhatsApp group and at first, I think we might have been offended <laughs> that we were called. Well, guys, if you Google irreverent, in the literal definition that comes up, you don't even have to showing a lack of respect for yeah. people or things. Yeah, that but are I, ge- sorry, that are generally taken seriously. Serious. Like, but I think, Guardian yeah, but the Guardian mean that in a compliment to us. So they mean that we, you know, gently take the piss out of the bits that you can take the piss out of in the in the. Show. There is They're not calling us irreverent. Humor. They're saying we are irreverent about our subject. 
Well, guys, yeah. I was Talk like, me off a ledge. I was like Jenny in Gogglebox. I was looking <laughs> up all the cinema, synonyms, synonyms. So <laughs> I was on Merriam-Webster. I was on the Oxford English. I was on Wikipedia. I was like, Craig, find me a Google like results that doesn't piss me off here because I was shocked to be. Well, guys, honestly, it's iconic and it's an honor, right? No, it's iconic. Some people tweeted us because they thought they called us irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I loved it, right? Next then, guys, if that wasn't enough, we get a phone call from the BBC. BBC One asking us to go live in front of millions of viewers on BBC Breakfast. Hannah, can you please tell us about your BBC One television debut and all of the behind the scenes Pam Shipman style uh, pandemonium that was going on in your house? Well, I happened to be down in my mom's on Sunday because the woman, right, she hoards photographs. So when we were children, like imagine like she has boxes and boxes and boxes of childhood memories, right? And they've all been up in the attic for years and I've been trying to get her to take them down, but she's been too stressed about it because she knows as soon as they come down, she has to start making photo albums because it's an absolute joke that they're just in boxes. Anyway, they're down and I've been going over this. How many there are, like, on weekly visits to my mom to like go through all the old memories and have a look and help her put them in order to make these photo albums. So I was over there on, was Sunday when you rang me, Brendan? I think it was Sunday. Yes, it was Sunday. Yeah, because it was just after I'd been on Five Live that morning. Yes. Oh, subtle brag. So I was over there on Sunday going through boxes of photos and Brendan rings me and I'm like, shit, who's dead? Because we don't ever really ring each other. We're very like a WhatsApp message or it's a group call. And it was just a call from Brendan. I was like, Jesus, what's happened to Rebecca? So I answer anyway. (laughs) Help me turn it. Help me turn it. So I answer anyway. And um, my mom and everyone's shouting in the background. And you were like, it's big news. And I was like, Jesus Christ, how big? And you were like, pretty much the biggest news like we've ever had. And then you told me that I was going on the BBC. So I was screaming and then my whole family then, Craig, the, the two rabbits, everyone peering around <laughs> and <laughs> wanting to know what was going but on. But we had to clarify. She was like, as in BBC One, like the television. And like, I was like, yeah, the telly. Oh, we didn't get to that till halfway through the conversation. Oh, I thought it was BBC Radio One. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then you mentioned something about... Yeah, something like she'll ring you a video. That, and I was like, sorry, are you talking about the fucking television program? <laughs> so we got that at them. And I was like, guys, I'm going on television. So I was like, put, fuck the photos away. Like, I can't concentrate. I had to leave straight away. Like, I was all over the place. Went home, put toner in. Two layers of Bondi sand. Oh, done yeah. my eyebrows. Yeah, good for you. You looked great. You looked great. Guys, that which honestly took seven hours. Like, if you saw, because they were... First of all, right, I will tell you, it, Jesus Christ, BBC is a well-oiled machine. Like, it's so impressive. Yeah, like, obviously, we've done a couple of regionals and we've done Five Live and stuff like that. And, Rebecca, you were on Scotch television last week, but this is another <laughs> yes. monster altogether. I had a... After I got off the phone to you, Brendan, it was like a 25-minute conversation with a lovely woman called Ashling, who was born in Dublin, by the way. Was she from and Dublin? Yeah, from the north. Oh, uh, yeah, I see. Born yeah. in Dublin, but she's from Tyrone. So I had a lovely chat with her. They do, like, a pre-interview. And then she's like, okay, one of the the night researchers will call you tonight after the show. And I'm not joking. That was like quarter past 11. I was talking to a fella called Scott from Liverpool. He was lovely. That was another like fully 25 minute interview. Then 
at some point during the day on Sunday, they had someone ring me on Zoom to do like a test set up. So I did all set up in the kitchen. No one could touch the laptop. We were all like, like trapezing over wires because I was like, no one move what I'm after setting up there with your man, the BBC. Hannah, your so kitchen looked incredible me. though. Like people were tweeting asking for what colour paint is on your wall. So that's my, right. So basically me and Craig live with Craig's mom and dad at the moment. And that's her stunning kitchen and her stunning taste. So she was only delighted with herself. But a very pat, pat, Pam Shipman running around telling everyone the kitchen was going to be on the telly. Like there was <laughs> cobwebs being scrubbed. Alexa was fucked onto the ground. There was candles being moved. Like it was all. But broke. I loved that about the guy who phoned you. Like, oh, yeah, go on. Tell us about that. Guys. Right. So basically... On Sunday, I'm like as pale as a ghost, hair scraped back in bits in a fleece. Like, and this fella from the BBC rings me to set up the scene, like for 10 minutes and 10 to 8 the next morning. And who am I? Like, what do you think my Hancock and I'll get? I couldn't get over it. So he's like, <laughs> right, sit so down there. And then he's like, could we actually see? So, like, Breeda, Craig's mom has like, it's all very symmetrical. So mm. she had two lamps. But what you didn't see, guys, was there was three orange candles in there beside the lamps. So he was like, can we get the candles closer to the lamps can we see it without the candle can we actually add that candle back in she had a beautiful <laughs> feather display in a pot you want can we bring the feathers into shot can we move them out what's that there in the corner can I have a look can we move that and then I had to move and I was like I feel like I have to sit in this poxy chair until tomorrow morning god forbid I got on and it wasn't in the exact same position so after that, then I did a full makeover sequence, like literally had the music blare and I bet the tan on. I felt like I was going out. It was great. Put the hair dye in. And then I didn't sleep. Obviously, I was up to 90. Then Scott from Liverpool rings me for a full interview. So I didn't get into bed till like half 12. Oh and I woke up at, yeah, then I woke up at six to get ready. And then loads of people were texting me. And then I sat at that laptop at half seven. And I mean, 7.30, boom, they ring. And they just prep you. And then you sit there until your little segments. You can kind of hear the show. Um, and then you sit there and they're like alright you'll be on at 10 to 8 but you guys know we've done radio interviews before like shit happens like Brendan I remember one time when we were doing the last series you were on um you were meant to be on at like five to eight on one of the radio stations and I was like I'm just gonna go for a quick wee and I'll make it back in time and then they put you on early and then I was had to record it and I was sitting on the loo recording I was like oh my god but um 10 to 8 I was on the dot but I couldn't see anything so I'm just looking at a BBC logo on my own face so I'm like oh my god I really don't know where to look I don't want to be looking at the wrong place I don't want to look cockeyed so I was just staring at myself I was like please god and the whole time in my head I was just like this is so important this like this is so important for the podcast it's so important I'm representing two other people everything we've tried to do at the same time, I was like, what if I fell over? What if, like, what if Steve so walked in the background? What if something fucking mad happened outside of the window? Like, I just kept thinking, like, you could go viral. You could be a meme at any second and your life is fucked. You'll be mean girl for the rest of your life. At so- least your hair was nice. Thanks so much, but like every conver- like every question they asked, half my brain was answering the question and the other half was going, but don't fuck it up. You'll ruin your life. You'll never work again. <laughs> it was so stressful. Um, and then after that, I just went to Dunn's and I bought a big box of like golden nugget cereal. Oh, don't ask I don't me why. I a big box of wine. <laughs> I just regressed to a child. 
Yeah, and then I just well, spent Hannah, the whole day. You did us proud. You, you did us were, absolutely proud. Oh, you were phenomenal. So, so at ease. My mum was watching you with a cup of tea in hand with the dressing gown, and she said, My God, Hannah is just a natural. And we're so proud. Fake it till you make it, guys. I wasn't at ease at all. I could feel my heartbeat. I was like, They're going to be able to see my heart <laughs> through my top. No, we um, couldn't. And we were watching work because me and Reb were in work at that time. And you. so we ran down to watch you with the sports lads. Because we, that was the only place we, we could were, find BBC One. We it was were very physically random. on air and we had to run away from the studio. Thank God, God nothing I, happened. I know. <laughs> and I we have timed to say, it to like, the second. We oh. literally ran back just in time for me to read the traffic. Yes. No, that's Professionals. so cute. And the amount of messages we got on social media, people messaging us, like, honestly, the nicest stuff you could ever read. Like, before we did it and afterwards, I just felt... I just felt so proud of the little shrine of duty people that listen to the podcast because they're just the nicest group of people yeah. ever. It was so supportive. So it was like nice. texture to get off your mom. People yeah. are like, you know what I mean? So that was so nice. But honestly, I've only just started to calm down. Like I'm doing this podcast in my pajamas because I'm absolutely wrecked because um, <laughs> I was just so up to 90 and yeah. now I've used up all my energy. So I'm getting straight into bed now after this. But it was literally... Honestly, one of the proudest moments of my life. I'm yeah, just so, so glad cool. it went well for us guys. Uh, we will start to recap now, but really quickly, will you tell us what the uh, the BBC tech guys said to you uh, when you were setting up your mic in the in the tech room? Oh yeah. Do you have the text in front of you? Because I want to get the exact wording correct. It, it, I don't, but I remember it because honestly, we're... You say it then. Yeah, so um, you uh, obviously did the little setup with like your camera and your mic and everything. And obviously, you know, everyone who listens to the podcast will notice that we have improved <laughs> our audio. Thank you very much yes, as of last week. we have. And um, so Hannah said, you know, is the, is the camera angle okay? Is the mic okay? Is the sound okay? And the guy in the BBC went, the sound is more than we deserve. Like... So. He he then got a ten minute explanation of how that why that meant <laughs> why so that much. Yeah, that he was like, "Will you get off?" Get like, off there's actually the important people you that I need the to blue air yes, check. And I was, I told him all about it, Rebecca. I was like, "Oh, we tested so many, and like, you know, it was just really tough Guantanamo for me two Bay, weeks ago." Blah 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 blah. He was like, <laughs> "Okay," and also this is me talking to a BBC black logo on Zoom. I've no idea who that man was, and he was lucky, and he gave me the time of day, and I needed to get that out. <laughs> well, Hannah, well done. It's been an absolute riveting week for us um, and shall we go for it uh, here is Brendan <laughs> sorry where's Celine been visiting I'm not she's sure. adopted an accent she's been out with the hairy man um, here is Brendan with a recap of season 6 episode 5 okay guys honestly one of my favourite episodes of Line of Duty ever if not my favourite the episode opens with Steve and Chloe at the prison cell where Jimmy Lakewell was murdered by fruit of the loom wearing Lee Banks they're told he hanged himself Steve tells Chloe that Jimmy did speak to to him in the back of the van last week and told him that Gail Vella was investigating the cold case murder of Lawrence Christopher. He died in police custody in 2003 as part of a, uh, following a racially uh, motivated attack. We will talk more about this later on. Um, Gail Vella died in the middle of investigating this so Steve goes will you look into that back at the hill Chris is briefing Joe and Kate on Operation Lighthouse the bent bastard is giving absolute daggers from across the office floor towards them like he couldn't be more obvious that he literally wants to murder all around him um, Joe is really cold towards Kate here Kate's like have you got a minute to talk and Joe's like I actually haven't got a minute for a word which I think is really rude uh, Kate arrives at AC12 with an approved concealed gun in the words of Hannah O'Connell foreshadowing uh, Ted says it's good to have one am I obsessed with that word you say foreshadowing quite a lot yeah uh, Ted says it's good to have a gun on her uh, considering Ryan wants to kill kill her basically uh, here we learn that Joe's mom who is named Samantha Davidson is dead and the blood relative is I 
love that they just got straight in here and gave us the answer. The blood relative, Joe's blood relative, is Tommy Hunter. So 95% of people who messaged us last week were correct. Um, Steve says here there was an unusually high match for homozygosity, which means Joe was born out of incest. Now, later on, we have a screen grab from the show. There's a post-it which explains who we think Joe is a relative of. Um, later in the episode, we also learn uh, that uh, Joe's mom is uh, actually dead. So we will discuss all of that in depth later on. Uh, back in Joe's teal flat with the Smeg fridge, which we haven't seen since episode one. No, we've never seen the fridge again. No. Uh, and also that candle that she has on her dining table. I have that myself at what home. What brand is that? It's uh, Sand and Fog. I got it in TK Maxx. Oh, lovely. That's, I never buy candles anywhere else. What that's, does Fog smell like, Brandon? Um, there's different types, but she looks like she's got a lighter colour one. You know the way I always go for the darker, kind of woody, Wood deeper. leathery kind yes, of scent. that's yeah, me. That's uh, I think like. Joe has a lighter, maybe an ocean breeze, maybe. Um, unknown user finally replies to her fake MSN message when she was like, I'm done. And they tell her that AC12 are not done, so neither are you. In his well-lit office, Ted opens a letter from Big Boss Osborne, outlining the details of his retirement at your age. Uh, When Chloe tells him that uh, he'll want to come and see what's on the telly in the office right now, on the telly is uh, Osborne denouncing corruption and saying the police serve people, not politicians. What an absolute barefaced liar, literally. Now, in a scene which completely threw me, and I found him to be genuine, Rohan tells Ted that Osborne has thrown him under the bus and he pleads with Ted to go for it and take down Osborne before he's forced to retire. Rohan says he's resigning because he's been fighting against the plans to scale back AC12. I appreciate that, sir, but you know me. If I see a Ben Copper, I only know one way and that's full throttle. Absolutely. The first line of Juicy of the episode this week. He also said, Rohan said to Ted that he's been like a bull in a china shop. (laughs) He did. He did. Um, Back at AC12, Steve opens up the results of tests on a banknote that he found in Chick and Licken's attic. And he is shocked to learn that it's a match for the 50 grand that we know Mark Moffat gave to Ted. Oh, Steve was so devastated. He's just looking through the glass at Ted with his desk lamp and he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's heartbroken. So Steve meets his mate Kate in an underground car park to break the news. He says clearly Moffat wasn't bullshitting when he said he gave Ted 100 grand and not 50. Now, was it just me here or did Kate look a little thrilled? It's like it kind of, this news justified her leaving yeah, Ted and AC12. Yeah, she was like, I was right. Yeah, I think she was like, yeah. probably not delighted that it, it happened, but it's like, okay, I made the right call here. Yeah. Um, here, we also learn that Lawrence Christopher's, or we hear Lawrence Christopher's name again. They repeat his name a lot in this episode. And Steve reminds Kate that he, she was like, oh, he was murdered 20 years ago. And he was like, no, it was 17. Um, Chicken Lichen and Steve have a tense and awkward phone call in which he brushes her off and says he's busy with work and that he'll call her when he gets the chance. Um, now, Steph takes this call outside of her house, guys. Yeah. Who is in mm. the house? Surely the, the kids will be in bed asleep. Who's using you the can, Sky Sports Yeah, package. who's on the sports package? Of Where's Ted living? Of course women be into sport, but just, is there, yeah, is there something yeah, going on there? I just felt like, why would she take the call outside if it was only her kids in the yeah. house? If Ted is living with Steph Corva, I'll actually spit my tea out. I guys, don't know, that guys. Would be, guys, are he you couldn't serious? commute from Liverpool every day. 
Oh, now yeah. that we know that like she <laughs> lives in Liverpool, that she's not up the road, like that would be a, a, an undertaking. Is he still in the Edge Park Hotel? Like, where's Ted? We living? don't know where Ted's living. Yeah, we, we haven't don't. seen that at all. Yeah. Uh, back at the hill, while Ryan throws even more daggers, Kate sneaks a call to Steve, but we don't hear the deets. More on that shortly. Uh, Kate then gathers all staff at the hill to tell them she thinks she's found the OCG workshop where they kind of manufacture the guns that were poss- possibly used in Gail Vella's murder and a lot of other murders as well. She tells them they're going to search a place called Lockside Yard. Now, she asks everyone in the briefing room to leave their phones on the table to avoid any leaks like happened uh, back when Terry Boyle. Kate is so meticulous here. She is She's really Kate good. at her best. It's Kate season three, episode six yeah. shit going on yeah. here. It's really, incredible. Really good. So she's like, leave yeah, your phones the on the tables. Worm. Ryan is seething. Guys, he couldn't be more obvious like that he's a bent bastard. It's so, it, He's so obvious. Now, are you ready for an absolute fuck ton of acronyms delivered effortlessly by Joe and Kate? And I'm not going to do them as well because I did. I actually couldn't even transcribe the whole lot. So Joe says, we'll need ARVs fully crewed with AFOs I'd like to TL within the hour. Lol. And then Kate goes, we'll deploy two ARVs with no black in play plus GPD if required. What? Okay, now what the fuck does that mean? Now guys, I actually didn't bother to find <laughs> out. So obviously ARVs are it. armed response vehicles. Kai didn't, wouldn't have got that. AFOs one. are uh, authorised firearms officers. Firearm yeah. officers. Firearms officers yeah, TL yeah. is something about like, ti- I, I'd like to TL within the hour. Timeline? It's like she wants to leave. So like okay. target launch. I don't know. Yeah. Something, yeah. <laughs> it's not target launch. But uh, I know that I know the, what the feeling I'm she's trying to portray. I'm just thinking about you last week at really good time. Sorry, blowjob jo- blow long. <laughs> really, really good time. Well, I mean... Really good tits equals a really good time for some people. Someone in the garden called us irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) Irrelevant. Um, So yeah, Aries, no black in play. I've no idea what that means. Plus, no black in play. Yeah, plus GPD if required. I mean, is that GDPR? No black in play. Play is that like no uniformed officers because yeah. their uniforms are black, so we're all going out in our jeans. Oh, I don't know. That's really good uh, observation. <laughs> yeah. Alan. There really are good people. Steve's top is lovely the in the next now. scene as well. Yeah, he, Sorry, honestly, a round neck on, on Martin Constant. Gorgeous. His arms look sensational. Friend of the podcast. Uh, Kate visits a very hostile Joe in her office and tells her something that we don't get to hear. While Ryan, again, very obviously looks across the room like he wants to murder the pair of them in one go. (laughs) The Hill team jump into cars and Kate makes sure that Ryan's with her. She makes a point of this. They arrive at Lockside Yard, but it's all clear. Nothing to be found. The bent bastard skulks off across this yard, pulls a burner phone out of his sock and makes a call. But holy shit, from a covert van, Chloe is watching him and taking photographs. Chloe is fantastic in this episode. Yeah, Chloe and Kate are killing it in this episode. Uh, Joe then tells the team that seeing as the site is clear, they'll move on to the next sites. The lads are like, sorry, what next sites? Kate only told Joe the first, or Kate only told Joe all three and only told the others one to stop the leaks. Chris is not impressed here. He's kind of like personally offended. And she's like, it's not personal, mate. Like, I'm just, I wanted to stop the leaks. So the team are then split up into two. One goes to White Rock Park that Joe leads that one. And then Kate and her gang go to Knight's Courtyard. Kate again makes sure Ryan is with her. And she also tries to get Chris to go with her. But Chris is like, no, I'm going with um, Joe. Yeah. Um, as they drive off, we then see Steve is waiting at the next site and Ted is hiding in a small porta cabin at the other one. Like, yeah. I love it. We I love obviously Ted only the see. Radio. Yeah, we obviously only see Ted in 
in certain like locations and when you see him out of them I just get a bit giddy. I think he, he just looks so out of place. Um, at White Rock Park, that's where Steve is, we then see the hairy man and another suspected <laughs> OCG member running into the building, presumably to hide the stash of guns. Steve orders his AFOs to move in. And the next thing, we don't get to see what happens, but we hear gunfire straight away. And the hairy man and the other fella, who is very sad, doesn't have another name. He's just the other man are shot dead. But like, Steve makes a point they here going, they were very re- quick. Very yeah. quickly, Hannah, weren't they? But they obviously pulled their firearms out though. Yeah, obvi- yeah, possibly. So Joe and her team then arrive or, at this scene. Go on. Or the guys that shot them are bent because I'm very suspicious of the AFOs after Kyle's yeah. behaviour last season <laughs> and they were like, you are not getting arrested, you're not going to talk. Boom, boom. Was Kyle ever proved to be bent though? No. No. Oh, no. He was, guys, in my heart of hearts. <laughs> and now we've got, where is he now? No. Nowhere to be seen. No. Uh, so Joe and her team arrive at this scene then where they were hoping to find a warehouse with guns but instead they find Steve, AC12 and two OCG lads dead on their backs. His name was Lewis there. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, g- g- yeah, I'm going to name them. So now here, Steve tells Joe that they happen to be here because of a surveillance operation which they launched after Jonesy was killed. But that's obviously bollocks because Kate gave him the heads up. Now, Joe's face drops when she sees it's the hairy man dead on his back. And then she's like, oh, this is what we've been looking for. This is perfect. And she orders Steve to stand down. She wants MIT and Chris all over this one and in control of the forensics. Back at AC12, Kate tells Ted and Steve that she told Joe the names of all three sites and Joe didn't tip off the OCG. So in Kate's eyes, Joe is not bent. Ted and Steve aren't convinced, though. Here, the hairy man is named as OCG member Lewis Polcard and the other man is Darren Morgan. A burner phone on the hairy man's body appears to have taken a call from the bent bastard's burner phone when he pulled it out of his sock. It's at the exact same time, but they need to find Ryan's phone to be sure that it matches up. Ted then argues against pulling Ryan in straight away and says the bent bastard has been groomed to be bent since he was a baby, the same as Doc Cotton. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. We'll be left holding a sprat when we should have landed a mackerel. Exactly. So Ted doesn't guys, want to bring too early. Sprat. Go on. It's a highly active small fish. Oh, highly active small fish. Oh, it's a highly active small fish. It looks like a little, um, what are those ones that Tapo. come in the tin? No, it comes fish in a tin monkeys. altogether. A sardine. Oh. Fucking oh, fish monkey. What's a fish monkey? monkey? No, a it's a pack monkey. of dust that you put into water. And, and then, then it grows. Guys, do you remember everyone had sea monkeys? Ew. God. Um, Ted then calls Ryan the new caddy and says the fourth man put him in MIT. He's like, follow Ryan. He'll lead us to the big fish, the carp. Kate and Steve reluctantly agree. And Ted declares... Don't have it. Now we're sucking diesel. (laughs) (laughs) Ted goes back to his beautifully lit corner office and looks wistfully out the window before gazing at an old photo of him and his team from, I assume, their passing out ceremony. Was it no. that? Was it old enough? Uh, yeah, he's Fairbank or in that picture. Or from one of his old, like maybe stationed in up the north. Maybe when he first graduated from yeah. his college or something like that. But yeah, it, yeah we must look into that photo. Um, at the Hill, Joe mm. declares they have never been closer to finding Gail Vela's killer and who plotted her murder. And Ryan tries to shoot laser beams from his eyes at this point. Pew, pew. Uh, at AC12. <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> 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 at, at AC12 <laughs> Chloe tells Ted that Gail had been investigating the murder of Lawrence Christopher 
a gang of white youths um, were responsible for his murder. He died later that night in custody. Now, custody videos show officers mocking him as he lay in his cell dying. Ted is like, this is an absolute disgrace to the uniform. Now, can I tell you something instantly, about Lawrence? When I heard the name Lawrence Christopher, I was like, going, Lawrence Christopher. I was like, oh, um, Stephen Lawrence is the name. I, I thought that they were doing a play on that. But actually, when I when I gave a quick Google, people say that it's actually blending the real life stories of Stephen Lawrence and another guy called Christopher Alder. So Stephen Lawrence um, was 18 when he was murdered in 1993 in a racially motivated attack. And um, Christopher Alder, he died in custody in 1998. He was 37 while police mocked him. Um, so this is something that's been written into the show to also, reflect real life. There's some other similarities with the Stephen Lawrence case as well. So that was a racially motivated attack, right? Yeah. And five suspects, just like Christopher Lawrence, were arrested but never charged. Yeah. And also, that case, they done an investigation into it in 1998, so a couple of years later, and the investigation into that case concluded that the force was institutionally racist. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, Stephen Lawrence's mom obviously campaigned tirelessly um, yeah. following his death. Now, guys, here is another example of Chloe absolutely bossing it. She knows her shit inside out and relays all the information that she's gathered at ease to Ted and Steve. Like, she is so good here. Like, she appears to be, like, almost single-handedly solving the case. Yeah. She is, she honestly, people were tweeting saying that Chloe's back must be sore from holding <laughs> the AC-12 investigation altogether. Um, Ted, though, is still not convinced that all of this is enough to point to a motive for Gail Vella's murder. Uh, Ted leaves the room, he's like, really good job. And then Steve apologises to Chloe that she had to dredge all that up because she was like visibly upset and she's just basically pissed off that all the officers, uh, she was like, you know, they made monkey noises, they all got off. And they all also claimed tens of thousands of, uh, th- tens of, thousands of pounds in compensation on top of the pensions no, that they just, got. And Chloe right. was just like, how could yeah. anyone be okay? Yeah, desperate. Now next guys, Steve searches the police database. I don't know if it's the police database of criminals or like the internal HR system like if you've ever used like Bamboo or Bob. Yeah. I don't I I don't think I remember this scene. Yeah. What does he find? So, he looks up the name Marcus Thurwell. Oh, Marcus's yes. file pops up and whose photo is it? Only Jimmy Bloody Nesbit. This is obviously the big guys. name actor who was rumored to be joining the season. Um I'm so glad it was Jimmy Nesbitt because I was afraid it was going to be somebody who I wouldn't know. Guys, I thought there was going to be some sort of crazy Bloodlands crossover when I first saw his photo come up. I was like, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, it was so good. So, um... Uh, Marcus Thorell's file says that he's retired and it also shows, as part of his file, a photograph of Danny Waldron and Fairbanks and Jimmy Savile. Steve calls Chloe over when he's looking at this file. He's also believed to be living in Spain. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he's the character that was mentioned previously, and now we've seen. Yeah, yes. Uh, so Steve calls Chloe over and explains Marcus Thurwell's name came up in connection with Sandsview, Dale Roach, Fairbank, and others. Chloe says uh, that Gail interviewed the PCC about this and wondered why there wasn't a public inquiry. Steve explains that back in the day, social worker Oliver Stevens Lloyd, who you'll remember from uh, season two or three, yeah. Tried to blow the whistle, but he was found dead at that same marina there where Hilton and Manit were found in more recent years. So Stevens Lloyd's death was written off as suicide because Marcus Thurwell was the SIO at the time. He then took early retirement and is believed to be living in Spain. Spain. 
And guys, please cast your minds back to season five, episode four. And I told you she will be the pinnacle element to this whole show. Amanda, Amanda. cybercrime found a laptop. Well, a laptop was found in the Kingsgate Print Services raid. She investigated that and saw that the laptop was speaking to a user with an IPA in Spain. So it's looking very likely that Marcus Thurwell is the man behind MSN. Mm-hmm. Chloe wonders if Gail discovered that Marcus investigated both Lawrence Christopher and Stevens Lloyd's murders. Steve says, look into it. Then another message pops up on Steve's screen from Occupational Health to remind him that he hasn't made an appointment, but it's only a preview message. We don't get to see the whole thing. But guys, surely if someone sent that many emails, they would have desk dropped Steve and been surely. like... How could you get away so with that? So did he not do the drug test at all? He hasn't done it or he's done it and but not gone he for the results? He got pulled in to it. get it done, yeah. So what, but like... These the, must be the results. He, yeah. They are because the first occupational health email is like, we have your results and we need to okay. speak to you. Yeah. And now they're absolutely sure, I mean, human. But also if there was an issue, surely occupational health would contact his boss, his line manager, Ted, and be like, come here, your man is off his head down the floor there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Feminax. At the Hill, Kate admits to Joe that uh, she did give Steve and AC12 a heads up about the warehouse raids. Joe then demands Kate request a transfer and Kate is like, not a hope, mate. Good luck. You can swivel. At AC12, Chloe tells Steve that Fairbank was moved to an open prison because of declining health. Gail Vella was due to interview Fairbank on September the 11th last year, but it never happened because, dun, 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 Gail Vella was murdered the night before the interview was booked in to take place. Chloe and Steve go to visit Fairbank and bloody hell, he's got frail and the old lamb chops are looking a bit emaciated as well. But the usual bollocks out of Fairbank, he's like, oh, I'm confused and I can't remember anything and blah, 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 blah. And he literally pisses himself when Steve loses his patience. And in the words of Anne Robinson, they leave with nothing. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Uh, Back in Joe's teal flat with the Smeg fridge, she whacks out the fake MSN and the unknown user tells her to get rid of Kate. Oh, my God. Guys. Between that and Kate carrying the gun, I was just at the end. Yeah. Oh, I, jo- I couldn't breathe. Joe replies and says, as long as that's my last job. And the unknown user replies, definitely spelt the same way it was spelt in the last season when it was spelt incorrectly. Okay, right. Now this next scene. Talk about Throwback Thursday, right? Wait till you hear all these names. So at AC12... Chloe's in front of a cork board full of mug shots. She tells Steve about all the interviews Gail Vella requested before she was killed. Before she asked to talk with Fairbank, she went to Blackthorn Prison, so she always spoke to Jimmy Lakewell over the phone. Um, but she did request face-to-face interviews with Manish Prasad, mm-hmm. Harry Baines. Yeah. She then went to Brentis Prison and asked for interviews face-to-face with Ros Huntley, Tina Tranter and Jane Cafferty. Like, when I heard all these names... And- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> Um, when I heard all these names, I was just like, oh, this is just the ultimate, like, stitching it all back together. Yeah. Um, she even put in a request to interview Jill Bigelow Bam. and Lisa McQueen. Guys, I squealed at the television and I really hope that this means somebody else is going to go and please, visit these guys please. for an interview in the next or- episode or two. Release the Gail Vella podcast yeah. that we can listen to in association with Line of Duty, officiated by the BBC on BBC Sounds. Guys, it fucking sells itself. Just yeah. put it out. Only one person agreed to be interviewed. 
Lee Banks. <laughs> Carl, Carl Banks', Banks brother. brother. Guys, I never get anything right. And I live tweeted the first episode and said, oh, is Carl Banks related to Lee Banks? I couldn't believe it. Uh, Friend Carl, of the podcast, Alistair Natkeel. Yes. Uh, Carl allegedly murdered Gail two weeks after Lee was interviewed by Gail Vella. So Steve pops along to prison to visit Lee Banks and he puts his theory to him. Lee is absolutely adamant that Carl wouldn't be a rat and he wouldn't shout his mouth off about killing Gail Vella. Didn't deny, that, sorry, he, Lee, didn't deny that he'd kill her. From, he denied that he'd shout his mouth off about killing her. Fresh from um, murdering Jimmy Lakewell in front of Buckle. Yeah, not a bother to him. Uh, Lee then tells Steve that if anyone's a rat, it's Ted, who it is confirmed here visited Lee in prison in the last season and told him that John Corbett was actually an undercover officer. Um, So we know for sure now that Ted was the leak. Uh, Lee then told the OCG who got Ryan to slit his throat. So Ted, you know, is ultimately responsible for John Corbett being killed, even though you know, he didn't order it. He didn't. And you can understand the guilt then that he would have had to give her the rest exactly. of Moffat's money. So, yeah. So Steve I is genuinely... Jed didn't confirm that in the press and we just found out there last night it was yeah, deadly. Yeah, so Steve is genuinely upset at this and phones Kate to confide in her. He puts two and two together and figures this is why Ted gave Chicken Licken 50 grand. Uh, it was guilt money. At the Hill, Joe tells uh, Kate that she wants to address their personal issues and says, it'd be best to do this outside of a work setting. I'll let you know details later. And then she locks herself in a toilet cubicle and has a very frustrated little cry. At AC12, Chloe says the gang involved in Lawrence Christopher's death were granted anonymity, but witnesses have identified one of them as Darren Hunter. Darren Hunter was Tommy Hunter's son. And, as things would have it, Joe's brother and cousin at the same time? Yeah. We'll we'll get into it. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, Ted deduces that Tommy Hunter ordered Marcus Thurwell to sabotage the Lawrence Christopher investigation to protect his son, Darren. Now, Steve say, uh, says here that he reckons Tommy Hunter would have had a high level of influence back in the day, but surely not at the time of Gail Vella's murder. Because sure wasn't Tommy only killed in that ambush with Lindsay Denton, guys. Or he was killed well, by the nurse in the hospital. Oh, was he? The, well, yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was attempted to be killed in mm, that ambush, yeah. Yes. We never saw his face. Was he dead, though? Mm-hmm. Is he dead? Um, okay, then Chloe drops the bombshell that she's taken it upon herself, good girl, Chloe, to look at who else was on Marcus Thurwell's team when they were investigating Lawrence Christopher's death 17 years ago. Ian Buckles oh. and Philip Osborne. Now, guys, at this point, I was screaming Nigel Morton at the screen, thinking this is where he was going to come back it. in, and he just didn't. Steve says Thurwell, Buckles and Osborne would all benefit from Gail being dead, and any of them could have ordered her murder. And then Ted says... The classic mother of God. Then, out in the office, from a distance, we can hear a commotion and staff are being told to report to the unit's off- uh, the unit office. And bitches, Pat is back. <gasps> Carmichael, with sleek new hair and allowing words to just ever so gently fall out of her mouth, says... For those of you, for whatever inexplicable reason, don't know, I'm Detective Chief Superintendent Patricia Carmichael. I don't mind ma'am or boss. I'm not a big fan of governor or gaffer. She also goes, 
one or two familiar faces, one or two conspicuous by their absence. Guys, what an entrance She's it was. so good. Incredible. And as she says, she doesn't like to be called gaffer. She goes, speak of the devil, Superintendent Hastings. Sorry to barge in like this, but all will become clear once we step into your office. So in they go to Ted's office and Carmichael says that she's reviewed Buckle's case and says that she's recommended all proceedings against him be dropped. And a very Jill Bigelow line here, I think. So as to avoid the humiliation of a cracked trial. Carmichael uh, Carmichael points out that Ted is burning through money and resources on shit tons of surveillance. (laughs) And there's another line of juicy here. Have you got this one, Hannah? No, go on. She goes, you're going through resources like there's no tomorrow, which in your case does actually apply. The like, can I just ask a question, right? Yeah. Do you think the woman is actually pure evil or is she a bit fucking gassed? I, no, I think she's gassed. Like, uh, she's given me oh, what we've gassed. missed from Jill. We're finally getting yeah. from Carmichael. There are Anne Robinson vibes. Do you think? A yeah. little bit now that you mentioned Anne Robinson earlier. Yeah. She is. She just delivers it so well. She does. She's She's also... A lot of people on social media making comparisons between her and Professor Umbridge of Harry Potter. Mm. And Stephen King said of Umbridge, and I used to have a science teacher in secondary school that was very Umbridge. And I just feel like this is um, apt. He said, she's the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. But like, he didn't know Patricia Carmichael. And while I think (laughs) she's a gas bitch, she's very scary. Like, if she doesn't like you... Your life is over. Yeah, she makes me laugh out of sheer nerves every time I see her. <laughs> nerves yeah. giggles. So, yeah, so Carmichael is uh, is in the office and she's basically telling Ted that she's taking over right now. She's like, we're not going to like kind of do a handover from next month. And um, she's like, and I've also, by the way, I've called off all AC-12 surveillance. Oh, um, God. She's like follow, following a review from the DCC. And she's like, and me. Um, Carmichael obviously has not raised her voice at any point because she doesn't do that but Ted has and the whole office is now watching through the glass Chloe's like what's going on Steve is like I don't know but it's not good meanwhile Kate arrives at the pub that she is uh, due to meet Joe at to discuss their problems but Joe very conveniently phones her at the last minute to say uh, that she's changed her mind about meeting somewhere so public Uh, red alert and she's like I'll text on the details of somewhere better uh Joe is making the call from the driver's seat of her car and from the dark depths of the back seat, the bent bastard Ryan comes into focus and says, nice one, Joe. Great the work. worst backseat driver yeah. ever. Joe texts Kate and uh, the address that she wants to meet her at. Guys, did you read the messages there? I couldn't stop laughing. The so ones she above it. The address, the ones above it. It's like, grabbing a coffee, want a pastry? Kate says, and Joe replies, go on then, an almond croissant. <laughs> and it's like a little laughing face with a little tongue sticking out. Gas. I couldn't get over that. I thought it was really funny. And then she's literally about to murder her. Like. So funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Joe texts Kate uh, the address of the place she wants to meet. And Kate, obviously not wanting to make a uh, complete tit of herself, feels around for her authorised firearm because that bitch knows she's going to need it. She pulls up at the dodgiest looking like NCP car park you've ever seen in your life, dimly lit by streetlights. She phones Steve to check in about uh, surveillance and like what they've seen on Joe, like what the latest is. Steve tells Kate that Carmichael has stormed in, taken over and pulled all surveillance. Carmichael then walks into the office where Steve is on the phone and demands that he hands over his phone to her. And she picks up the phone and she tells Kate, she's like, I'm now SIO. And she asks her what her sit rep is. And Kate rolls her eyes and just hangs up, which I think is amazing. 
So just iconic. as iconic, just as Kate realizes uh, she should hightail it the fuck out of there and goes to reverse, a car pulls in. Kate forwards the the address that Joe sent her to Steve. Steve roars at Ted back in the offices of AC12. They both grab their coats and they call for AFOs to join them. Carmichael at this point goes, uh, can we just take a breath here? But then Ted goes, that's my officer out there. I'll take a breath when I know she's safe. Oh, Ted. So back in that dimly lit NCP dodgy car park, Kate uh, gets out of her fucking car. Like, stay in the car. Just crack the window down a bit. I thought she was going to walk out and just be shot straight away. So she gets out of the car and comes face to face with Joe, who just keeps going, I'm so sorry, Kate. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. She reminded me of um, Father Jack. He's like, I'm so, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then just as Kate goes to walk back to her car to a bit of safety, two bent bastard feet hit the ground and step out of Joe's car. Ryan, pointing a gun at Kate's face, says, Joe tried to give you a way out. You should have taken the transfer. And then a line of juicy from Kate. She goes, you've got the bottle if somebody's already half drowned. As in... The, who did he drown in the lake earlier Lisa. on? Lisa. Lisa. And tried to attempt. And tried to yeah. drown Terry. Yeah, shocking. And then there's another one from Kate here. She goes, put the gun down. Try, stop trying to act the big man. You're a little boy. And he is. And he is a little boy, yeah. He is. He's made a ball for this. Yeah. But Ryan goes, uh, little boy, try asking John Corbett. Oh, try asking gosh. Manit Bindra. Now, obviously, we knew for sure that he killed John. I don't know if I knew that Ryan had killed Manit. Did we know that? Yeah, he's better throw on okay. the dock. Okay. Uh, Kate says, if you pull that trigger, there's going to be blood and gunshot powder all over you. Ryan's like, it's an untraceable gun from the workshop. Now here, even though Kate knows surveillance has been pulled because she's just been on the phone to Steve, she says Ryan will never get away with it because of surveillance. Uh, he freaks at Joe then. He's like, you stitched me up. Mm. And Joe's like, I'm done. I've done my bit. I'm out of here. I don't need to watch this. And she goes to run back to her car. Ryan fires a shot in her <gasps> direction, but he doesn't hit her. When he fires his gun, Kate pulls her gun on Ryan and she's like, drop the gun. And Ryan and Kate are now aiming their guns at each other and both keep shouting, put the gun down, drop the gun. Joe is screaming no. And as Kate gives one last roar of drop the fucking gun, the screen goes black and we hear two gunshots fired in perfect timing to the build of the Line of Duty theme music. And that, guys, was the fantastic ending to Line of Duty season six episode. Five. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Brendan, what a retelling of that. Guys, I got goosebumps as I read the end of that. It was incredible. It was an amazing episode. So much happened. The hour flew by and that ending was epic. It was an epic, epic ending. Even, I can't wait to discuss. Yeah, even if for the the big biggest line of duty fans, it's actually not probably the biggest cliffhanger. No. Yeah. Well, because of some of the theories we have, will I go into some of the email theories we've got in? Let's do it. Okay. It, so we've got in a load of lovely emails from people pointing out that Kate can't be dead because of scenes shown in the season six trailer of Kate and Joe at the scene of the shooting with their arms up in the air as Hastings shouts on the megaphone, you will be treated fairly with the full protection of the law. Kate in this clip that we've seen, it's before season six came out. It was like the overview of it. Kate has her hands up. There's like a, a, a helicopter like white light on her and she's doing what I call the Ahura face from RuPaul's Drag Race she's literally she's got her hands up she's fuming and rolling her eyes she's like I think she looks like a horror. Oh my gosh, it is. It, that, that look, because we yeah. obviously were over analysing that look when we did our um, Thoughts and Theories Season 6 overview episode. Um, anyway, right, George Tyndale got in touch with us and he says, after analysing the screenshot, it's the same location as the last scene in Episode 5. Both Kate and Joe are wearing the same outfits as they were and the car behind them is the one that Kate drove to meet Joe in. A few people tweeted us a screen grab from the trailer that shows what appears to be Ryan's body <laughs> lying on the ground at the scene, which would indicate that Ryan was either shot by Kate or Joe uh, who may have had a concealed weapon she was also behind Ryan at the time someone also said that that could be a puddle in the screenshot <laughs> did anyone see that tweet? No I did see this screen grab that somebody sent us though and like it's <laughs> clearly Ryan dead on his back I laughed Ryan obvious. is dead Kate's alive it's more just who shot who and is yes. anyone in trouble for Where's Steve and Ted there? Did they get there? Did Joe shoot? Did an AFO get there on time? I, also... I don't think they got there I also thought that when Ryan initially got out of Joe's car, I thought I saw two pairs of feet, but it was very dark and I probably wasn't you, wearing someone my Someone else said that as well. I saw yeah, I thought I saw two, yeah. two sets of feet. Yeah. Someone two tweeted pairs. us and then someone commented underneath that if you actually look at the footwear, that it's Joe and Kate. It was just a weird angle. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, well, George reckons that AFOs and AC-12 arrived just in time and they managed to shoot Ryan from a distance. We heard two shots. And if you remember from Series 3, when Danny Waldron killed Ronan Murphy, he shot three shots. And when questioned by Steve slash AC-12, he mentioned this is taking, this is against training and shots would be fired in pairs. So this also backs up the argument that Kate is alive and the two shots don't represent Ryan and Kate shooting at each other, but an AFO discharging two shots from his weapon as he would have been trained to do. Now, Kate is a trained AFO, which yeah. uh, someone called Joe Halley pointed out. So she could have double tapped that trigger as is standard practice. Also, just from like a production point of view, the two shots just matched perfectly going into the... Th- it was just like... Doof, 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 doof. The music in yeah, this episode it was, was really, really good, incredible. Yeah. Who's doing the yeah, score? Yeah, the music it's, is oh insane. Oh my God. Um, Daniel, the people that tried to sue us. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> the less about that, the better. Daniel's cease co- and desist. <laughs> that was like the second <laughs> ever podcast. Very, very we did. early on in the last season. Uh, you we were fell t- up the stairs in the office. Ran up the like a legal letter from the BBC. I was like, guys, we have to pull the theme music. Oh my Obviously, God. like, come on. Um, so Daniel Cook got in touch with us and says that he's 99% sure that Joe would have had a concealed firearm so perhaps Joe and Kate both shot Ryan Joe could have easily been trained by someone in the OCG perhaps Joe and Ryan or sorry perhaps Joe shot Ryan as she couldn't see someone she had feelings for die right in front of her okay so that's we've got a lot of theories in about that saying that they don't believe that Kate is dead I think I'm going off the whole Kate and Joe being lovers thing though I think it's one of those love stories that never got to blossom because yeah, maybe. Joe's life and mm. her embedding in the OCG one. The Romeo and Julia a bit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Star-crossed star lovers. lovers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interest from the junior third. Leaving Sir 2009, <laughs> shout out, English paper one. Okay, next theories are about uh, Kate, how Kate will die, right? So next up, um, a lot of people think that Kate may have survived the shooting and the shootout, but she's a goner either way, right? Dan Armistead oh. says that Kate's number is up because she She's now marked by the OCG head honcho. And in previous series, those characters have always been murdered with ruthless efficiency. Dot, Denton, Hunter, Jackie, Hilton, etc. I think Jed's build up to the risk to Kate's life. And we're supposed to think that she is fine now, but she survived. Sorry, I actually completely balls that. Um, I think Jed's built up to the risk to Kate's life. And we're supposed to think that she's dead, but she does survive. Ryan's attempted her life. And now that she's safe, I actually think she she's going to meet her end in a horribly shocking way in this Sunday's episode at the hands of the OCG when we are least expecting it. I can't decide who is going to pull the trigger, perhaps a faceless balaclava man or maybe Chris who actually ignored a direct order from Kate when she said, you're with me when travelling to the next suspected OCG workshop site. Um, yeah, remember Chris was just like, I'm going yeah, with the like, boss. Yeah, he's like, I'm going with Joe. Now, yeah. he could have been really annoyed or whatever, but is there something more to that? Um, this leads me to believe that Chris is in cahoots with either Joe or the OCG, and he's been placed to murder Kate in cold blood. This exchange was a bit under the radar in this episode, but I think it's one of the most significant exchanges of the whole episode. He ignored a direct order from Kate, a DI, and the officer leading the operation. I, I hope I'm wrong, but the fact that IMDB have updated Vicky McClure's line of duty episode count to 35, as opposed to to Martin Comston and Adrian Dunbar's 36 tends to suggest we are saying goodbye to Kate on Sunday. I just hope it's quick and painless. Although, <laughs> knowing Jed, it's going to be quite a shocker. Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. That, it all really good points. Have, I think we ask this question every week. Have we found IMDb out if, has if, if it's sure? Yeah, is anyone, is, can anyone update IMDb? There's a question marks over this because Dot, right. Dot and Ross Huntley are back in IMDb for this season and people were freaking out over the weekend. I, yeah. d- I don't know. Do they just put Dot back in when his dying declarations brought back up? Yeah, I don't someone know. needs to. I, I'm sure someone that listens to this might have that intel. Yes, yeah, because needs to I. <laughs> It's IMDB that has me sweating every week when someone sends us in a tweet like this. I'm afraid to look at it in case I spoil something for myself. But that's awful news if that's what's about to happen. Horrendous. Okay, moving on to Joe and Kate now. Uh, Michelle Smith is wondering if Joe knew or suspected that Ryan was under surveillance. She says she didn't, but it's what she would have done if she was Kate. So it's clearly gone through her mind at one point. Did Joe know that having Ryan with her would ensure that backup would arrive? It could also be why Joe texted the address rather than saying it over the phone so Kate could easily send it on. Yeah. Joe's plan obviously backfired when Carmichael pulled the surveillance. I still believe that Joe is controlling 
controlling what she can. Example, framing Farida and giving AC12 buckles. But she did try to offer Kate the transfer. I think she's trying to feed Kate info, hoping that she catches on to it and that Kate and AC12 will bring down the OCG. Even when she phoned her from the car when that little bastard was in the back seat, she kind of left us pause. She was like, Kate, are you still there? And I, like, it was in her tone. She was, and like, also, guys, Kate isn't thick. No. There was so many warning signs of, of like, like, what was probably going to happen. If someone asked you to meet up in a bus depot, but it's like, abandoned don't yeah, go don't do it and yeah I really feel like like yeah Joe said on that phone she's like Katie you still there yeah. and like left this pause like yeah. I would say now Kate when she uh, texts Steve the address popped a little voice recorder on the phone there and got the full confession from Ryan because yes. as you said she's not and not only is she not thick she's very very intelligent like yeah. when Kate's on the ball she's she on. is on the ball I just so wouldn't have got out of the I car I that then. now I just would have wound, cracked the window down and gone, hey Joe, what's up? <laughs> oh, I would have hot wheeled it out of there. Right, Sarah Flanagan's talking about Ryan now and she's pointed out what you just said, Hannah, about how Ryan confessed to killing Manise and John Corbett. So uh, he'd better hope that Kate wasn't recording their conversation. Also, guys, he didn't say Gail Vella. And I know that that does, yes. clear, it does clear up that theory, perhaps, that it wasn't Ryan that pulled the trigger, but obviously it could be an OCG member either way and not Ryan himself. Yeah. Um, okay, meanwhile, Hannah Taylor says that Ryan made a point of saying that his gun was working workshopped in the final scene this week last week we learned that the workshopped guns can be dodgy is his gun going to misfire or backfire so actually Ryan shot at Kate and it backfired and it ended up killing him that was very that's a very good point yeah okay moving on to the Tommy Hunter DNA situation guys and um, a post-it spotted by eagle-eyed fans on an AC12 computer shows that Hunter is both Joe's niece oh wait Daughter no, and niece. Joe Hunter is both Joe's uncle and dad. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe is both his niece and his daughter. Which means he had sex Jesus. with his own sister. Yeah. So a listener named Prudence has written in a big theory about this. And she thinks that it's possible that Hunter was molested by Joe's mum, Samantha, who was his older sister as a teenager. It was pointed out by a few people that Hunter would have been about 13 or 14 at the time. Obviously, the opposite could have happened. He could have. He could have. Yeah raped his sister as well. Joe may have been close with her mum and had an okay childhood and joined the police force before discovering the truth about her mum and her connection to Hunter. She's kept that picture of her mum but she also gets obviously extremely upset and she threw a wine glass at it. She would not keep that picture if she found out that her mum had done that. I, I don't think her think mom's the anyway. victim. I, th- I, I think her mum I think they're the both the victim. Both. Yeah, the- yeah. I what I think now, and I'm sure that it's coming up in one of the email theories, is that they were potentially made perform sex acts yeah, on each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Um, and also it's there's the option that. Guys. Yeah, it's it's a it's yeah it's, it's a so really awful. weird element of the story to put in, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I guess it does tie back to Sands View, and that is one thing that we can say we did say that Sands View, Danny Waldron, and the list will come back. Yeah, we actually were genuinely, which is so rare, right <laughs> about that. But um, there's also the possibility that Joe doesn't know about her mother being also her aunt. No. Yeah, yeah, she does. No. She might. We don't uh, she's know. She's obviously frustrated at her mother because yeah. she fucked the wine glass because she blames her mother for being in the controlled situation that she's in now. Well, maybe she's angry that her mum's dead and her and she's now taking all the OCG yeah, shit because maybe. her mum used to be embedded with them. Yeah. Was being blackmailed by them herself because we know that Samantha Davidson is is deceased. 
So it's, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to find out a lot more about that next week, I would imagine. And um, Prudence also brought up that Joe could have somehow been involved in the OCG's plot to kill Tommy slash Alex Campbell in the ambush in season two. And they could have been blackmailing her ever since. Um, yeah. I, it's it, that whole situation. It was really brushed, not brushed over, but like the Tommy Hunter thing was mentioned at the very start. It was though, and we never heard any more about yeah. it. It's obviously, yeah. It's, the whole thing's absolutely horrendous. Um, well, also, I'm not being bad, guys. But if we were Ted, Chloe, and Steve, and we found out that Tommy Hunter's daughter was also his niece. You'd have a little conversation about it in the office. And like. that she is the sister and cousin of his son who was partly responsible for the murder of um, Lawrence Christopher. Yeah. Like what? 17 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like yeah. hello. Jerry Springer hello. is going and on. Steve like. said that was small fry and I was like, Steve, that's Tommy Hunter's son and Joe yeah. Davidson's brother. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, wh- yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, Prudence also says she wishes we'd launch a competition on this podcast where the prize is an, a week-long all-inclusive yacht tour with Jimmy Lakewell, James Nesbitt and Jill Bigelow. No, I would well, love that. Well, we'd be rigging that and we'd be on it ourselves. That sounds <laughs> great. Um, in terms of Tommy's son, uh, Carol Moran got in touch and she's wondering if Tommy Hunter's son, aka Joe's brother, is putting pressure on her and why did Steve just brush him off a small fry like I just said? Um, Anna Goldstone emailed us and says that she's starting to think that Tommy Hunter isn't dead after all because we never saw his face or body in season two he was under a blanket or bandages um, Anna assumed at the time that the actor might have just not been available uh, but now thinks it's possible that Tommy is alive uh, Jane Akers it, could have been involved we did see his face in one scene when Denton went up to him yeah, yeah that would also make sense about what Steve says in this episode He's like, he makes a point of going oh I, I believe back in the day Tommy Hunter would have had like power yeah. but he's like surely not when Gail Vella died and it was just yeah. kind of pointed So um, I would love now Tommy Hunter to arrive into AC12 and then like a crack of lightning behind him and then it starts raining and he's like back from the fucking dead as the front door is open I just think that would be brilliant now for next Sunday yeah and just just this theory as well Jane Akers could have been in on this and that could have been why she was killed Jane Akers could I don't know it, it, there's just well Jane that, Akers case husband case Rich affair. Akers and Kate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Is, there just, is that going to all come back into it perhaps um, so could Joe perhaps know that Tommy's still alive is this who she's talking to in the lap Top, uh, does she have locks on her door to keep out Tommy? Lots to think or about keep there. Them in. Um, let's talk about Carmichael now. Lots of people think that she's the fourth and final woman in the H puzzle. Many people have tweeted us about how uh, Jimmy Lake was said to look deeper into the race claim to find H. <laughs> race claim and H rearranged spells Carmichael. If I was in a, if I was Buckles and I was in prison for 10 years and I sat in a room and you gave me the words, race claim and hate I wouldn't for my whole stint in prison ever ever neither would I figure out that that was an anagram guys Jimmy Nesbitt now we need to talk about uh, we obviously found out that Jimmy Nesbitt's character's uh, last known whereabouts were Spain That's what where... a spray tan Jimmy Nesbitt had done very good um, this is where and Amanda the hair obviously stopped off in Turkey on the way <laughs> perhaps um, sorry this is where Amanda from Cybercrime said that the IP address for the dodgy laptop in season 5 was tracked to uh, lots of people think that his character is the fourth man and will have a major role in the final two episodes um, Annie Potter says that Nesbitt aka DCI Marcus Thurwell is living the L high life on the Costa del Crime with Bob the Builder Morton will be back Daniel Cousins though says it's too obvious to introduce a big new character into the mix with two episodes to go Yeah, I suspect I this don't is think Jed. we'll see him 
toying with us and that James Nesbitt's character won't himself be the big dog but maybe one of the second tier participants in the OCG's games. I would tend to agree with that. Mm. I think J- Jimmy Nesbitt now is a Gail Vela where we'll see his likeness in photographs. I think it was just a bit of a Bloodlands handshake because Jed produced that and James wanted to be on Line of Duty and I'd say he did a quick photo shoot now and that'd be the photo end Photo shoot in, in Belfast at a marina. But That's look like Spain. Yeah. Hilarious. We're in shorts. Put the warm tan. filter on Instagram. I'd say he was freezing. But I'd say that's all it is now, guys, unfortunately. Um, guys, something else pointed out to us this week um, were, were the photos. Do you remember back when they were filming season six, Martin Compson put up a picture at the end and it was of Ted, Steve and Kate in the glass box. And Kate had a page in front of her that said something about a timeshare. Yeah. yeah. So will Marcus Thurwell get his own glass box spectacular? Hannah, you've said it before that it all links back to property. Moffat and Ted had that kettlebell complex situation. And we know that Thurwell is linked to uh, Fairbank and Sandsview. So is we're going to find out something about a timeshare at some point in the next two episodes. Um, we also, guys, I need to look on my phone. But we Can got you guys sent hear in. me? Can we hear you? Oh, yes. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're recording it as paused on my laptop and I'm just like, am I here? But I am, so that's fine. <laughs> well, thank God. Um, our final email theory this week is from Matt Parry, who says, I think this week's big hint was the emergence of a third Matulluk in the racist attackers that shaved their heads to avoid being recognised. That's following on from the officer who headed up Gail's murder before Joe came in and Ryan's training officer. It's an incredibly rare surname and it has to mean something. Corrupt OCG family with police links. Such a good point And I nearly missed it It was the last email we got in A really good point Do you know what though So like obviously It takes so much effort To write This TV series anyway But how much more effort Does it take To write in loads of stuff Just to wind people up And piss people off That you're never actually Going to use Like it's so much effort to write the show and then to write in bits to yeah. throw people off and wind people up. Um, guys, Who are the other Matulluks? So, so one was, of them, Joe, one of them was on Operation Lighthouse and was replaced by Joe, right? Yes, and the other one, the name was on Ryan's police file as someone who trained him in college. Trained him in college. It, was, and it wasn't the one, same. It was a different, different um, well, one, well, no, yeah, but no, but one was Billy and the other was R. So the or, long version of Billy is Richard. Richard Billy could be the same person. What? Isn't the short of Richard Billy? Billy. Is William. No, Dick is Richard. Dick is Richard. And, and Billy is William. <laughs> oh, guys. Yeah, yeah, I only know that because Nathan's dog is now. named after a William and it's called Billy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, also, I just want to point out there were pictures today published on a website that we forgot about. They were taken during the filming of season six and they show Alison Merchant, who is the bent prison guard, uh, being arrested at gunpoint by AC12 with a balaclava man that are yet to air. Oh, great. So I'm glad that she hopefully is about to get her comeuppance. A lot of people are praising Chloe's performance, uh, Shalom Broom Franklin, um, and a lot of people think that she can't be. Ben, she's one of the good guys. Um, Dennis Hurley says, Jed wouldn't write such an impassioned and important piece about racism yeah. regarding the Christopher Lawrence case only to unveil her as Ben. It would overshadow the important points that she raised, um, which that is a really that good point. That is a really good point. Yeah, so really, that really includes my email theories. Thank you so much to everyone who emailed. Shrinepod at gmail.com. So much detail. I miss so much, guys. I need the theories to help me out. Yeah, same. That was a great um, theory on Chloe. I think she's 100% good. The jury's still out though on Chris Lomax. I'm kind of like, what is the point in him? Like he needs to either do something mental or I'm not entirely sure why they have introduced him as a character. He could have just been an extra for all he's done so far. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, Although I do have a theory that him and Chloe 
might be that the like new line of Judy cast that carry on the show if it continues if some of the big three yeah. move on well Chloe's um, well able Chloe's well able and there's something interesting about him but do you get what I'm saying like he just hasn't done anything really yet well he's got two more episodes to show us yeah okay let's do some social theories um so artist ems says i think joe shoots ryan and saves kate i think lomax and chloe are goodies i'm probably on i'm on that line of thinking now carmichael is magnificent and she's very worried about ted at axio 14 anna says i don't think they'll kill ryan or kate now i think ryan's a goner based on um the little first second of the trailer that we got for season six because he's just lying on the ground. Um, She hopes that Steve, Ted and Chloe arrive in time, but what if one of them somehow got shot? Now, I don't think they arrive in time to be one of the shooters because if you cast your minds back to the trailer, it's like you were talking about it earlier on, Brendan, in your recap. It's like Kate and Joe are really far down the road and there's helicopters and then Ted is up there with a megaphone with Chloe and Steve. So it's like they arrive after all this has happened yeah. and they don't know who to believe who shot who. So I have a theory about what I think happened to Ryan and a couple of people wrote in about it. We'll get to it now. Now, at Becky C123 wants a hunter family tree. So she thinks that Tommy, Lee, Carl and Darren are all hunters. But Lee and Carl are actually of the Banks family. They're brothers. And then Tommy and Darren. So Tommy Hunter is Darren Hunter's father. Then at Barrington Blank 1, it says Carmichael will arrest Kate or Joe for Ryan's murder. We could see a glass box spectacular, but Kate, I don't know if we have time where she would then pull out the recording and prove that it was actually Ryan who shot her. Um, Here's what I think happened. At the Red Bar in 1918, Ryan's workshopped gun misfires into his face. Mm. So that's one shot. And then the second shot is Kate shot at him. So he gets shot twice. He did actually speak about um, the work, the gun being workshopped and therefore untraceable yeah. right before the scene. Like that's foreshadowing, guys. It's foreshadowing, so, Hannah. It's foreshadowing, Brendan. So I think that could happen. I think that's that would be really good karma as well, that he just shot himself. At Julia Mountain says, did nobody else hear Ted describe Kate as his team member and she still believes that she's AC12? But I think, unfortunately, in their rendezvous up the laneway, they would have no reason to continue to cover up because it was just the two of them. So yeah, I think he yeah. just... Like, she's back working for AC12 on this case. And, like, when he said to Carmichael that he has people in the field, I think that's he's talking about Kate in that respect. At underscore pie face says, Steve might ask Ted to sort out his drug problem with occupational health. And in return, he'll keep quiet about Steph Corbett and the 50K, which could actually be a nice resolution for both of them on both of those issues. At Jack Raw 1 says Tommy is still alive and on the other end of the laptop. We never saw his face in hospital after the ambush. I think it would be amazing if Tommy came back, but I also do think that it's Marcus Thurwell, aka Jimmy Nesbitt, on the other end of the laptop. Um, Dr. S.G. Clark is wondering why Chicken Licken, as you said, Brendan, took the phone call outside who was in her house. Yeah, that's not just the kids, surely. Do you not think I so? I don't think so, no. Was she bringing out the bins? Unless, oh, <laughs> unless it's a Jed herring. What if it's fucking Tommy Hunter? Stop. Stop him. We need hairdresser links, Steph Corbett. Did I, Jackie did Laverty. I just come up with a theory all what, was, what was Jackie Laverty's husband's name? Andrew. Andrew. Is he still alive? We, we, ne- we, we never we never met him. him. We've never met him. I Guys. thought he was the hairy man. <laughs> 
there's somebody living with Steph and we also feel like there's somebody in that apartment with Joe. You heard it here first. Tommy Hunter in two places at once. Okay. <laughs> Brian Halliday wants to know why Jimmy was killed and how the OCG know he talked. Now, they don't know, but I think that the officers, the prison officers yeah. are bent and they ratted that he was taken out in a van yeah. with Steve because he was led there by an officer. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's we're, exactly we're what happened. We're going to see that. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to see it because that would tie back to then that bitch being arrested um, in the photographs that you just talked about, Rep. She put shit in Lindsay Denton's food. She had it coming. Put the kettle on, nope, pet. it's the kettle. It's the kettle. It's the kettle. At Norm Plume wants to know why Kate and Joe flee the scene Telma and Louise style. So I would say they flee the scene because 10 seconds after what we saw, a bleeding helicopter arrives and someone's on the ground and they just sort of like are like, oh my God, run or maybe Joe runs and Kate follows. But I don't think they get far. It seems like they've just come out of the car park onto the yeah, road. They're on their knees, I think, in at the spot, basically. No, I mean, we'll, we'll see next week. Um, at Little Miss Lewis, among other things, she wants to. Oh yeah, okay. I'm really here for this. She suggests that Joe killed Gail under OCG orders. Oh my now, god! Now what a twist! Yeah. And I'm like, there's no reason why that couldn't be possible. Yeah, I think I've seen this come in a couple of times from people who wonder if Joe and Gail were together and that Joe was ordered to kill her. Yeah. Um, I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Miss Bick Bex, Jimmy Nesbitt and Ted know each other. She's just going on the fact that they're both from the North um, and that Ted is H. Greg, Jamie Ford, Ron, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Ryan shot and bleeding out will show a moment of real vulnerability and ask for help from Joe. I think that would actually be nice if we saw maybe a different side to Ryan, but at the same time, he's a cold-blooded psychopath. I don't know if he has it in him. At Pritters 22 says we're going to see one shot from Kate and one shot from Steve who arrives on the scene just in time next week. Although, based on the look of the trailer, I don't think AC12 get there on time. Maybe Ryan uh, will spell something out with Morse code. Oh, guys. <laughs> I'll Brandon will literally off. be bouncing laptops off the ground <laughs> a la Joe Davidson. At Emma Thoughts, doesn't trust Rohan and think it's one last play from him. Yeah, what I wonder did, what what's going on think? there. Guys, I really believed Rohan. Like, I was really surprised, but I believed him. I believed Rohan, guys. guys. you know, for weeks, my boyfriend, he's been like, oh, yeah, Rohan, no, I think that, I think it's Andrea Wise who's evil. I think Rohan, you know, that look of the stairwell, blah, blah, blah. And he was bloody well. We think he was kind of right this week. He was thrilled with himself. He was like, I told you Rohan was looking down the stairs because he was getting, yeah. Was, yeah. It felt genuine from him, but your look. I thought, yeah. Now, I just don't think we'll see Rohan again. I thought that was like the nice little bit and then Rohan's done and dusted. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's going to resign off to Spain. We'll see Andrea Wise again, though, I think. Her and Carl Michael are in cahoots. They were very friendly last season, weren't they? Yeah, and yeah, that, that wooden office. People who sit in that wooden office, it just never tends to go well. So at Kirsten, it's actually spelled... K-I-R-S-T-I-E-H. How else? I'm As in like, help that. me, help me, Tony. <laughs> Joe shoots Ryan with a concealed weapon, potentially possible. And Kay had the whole thing recording on her phone. I really do believe, like, I'm a dope. And if I was in that situation, I would have thought to record it on my phone. So surely a trained officer yeah. would have done the same. 
at m underscore gd underscore zero one what is joe working oh what if joe is working against the ocg and her msn messages are with ted and her last job was to take out ryan not kate and she just used kate as a pawn to kill ryan potential yeah at karen's 222 now guys i'm gonna send you a piece of intel in the whatsapp group uh, Karen wants to know okay. what meme did Kate send to Steve? So we see their conversation when Steve texts is made about the 50k forensics <laughs> that he received back. <laughs> and we see the bottom of the meme. And Karen's 222 literally just mailed us during the pod, being like, What meme is it? And I had seen someone mention it on Twitter, and I was like, I, I know what meme it is. It's a little dog in a waistcoat. <laughs> We're wearing a tie and has a calculator. He's wearing a waistcoat. Um, And Kate texts it to Steve and goes, reminds me of you, mate. Will I tweet it out? Yeah, do, definitely. Yeah, do, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll tweet that out. I just thought thought that was so cute. And then, guys, another thing, I don't know if you noticed, another thing we spotted on phones this week when Kate went to ring Steve Arnott she scrolled down through her contact and just before Arnott was Ambitions Nails Patricia so that's obviously where she gets her nails done by Patricia at Ambitions Nails oh my god I was pissing myself and I'd love a nail salon to open up here because obviously Kate's back in Ambitions Nails now as of the 12th but hopefully ours will open up soon and that's it from the social theories you can uh, tweet us, find us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Shrine Pod. Uh, loving all the theories. Guys, can I just... Now, this isn't really a theory, but it's something I noticed at the final credits. So, you know, at the start, it obviously brings up, like, Adrian Dunbar, Vicky McClure, Martin Compton, and, and every, you know, all the other oh, lead yeah. characters' names. So, at the end, I actually just paused it, because I think we might have been on the phone. I just paused it, but I looked at the screen. And I noticed something. There could be absolutely nothing in this. But at the end, it credits uh, the characters' names, right? So on the first uh, kind of block of names, it goes Chloe, Steve, Kate, Joe. All first names. Now, Ted isn't there. Bit strange. Then on the next one, it goes Lomax, Ryan, oh, sorry, Hastings is here. Lomax, Ryan, Hastings, Osborne, Sindwani. So all surnames apart from Ryan, whose character is credited by his first name. And then on the next page, it goes Steph, Fairbank, Lee, Carmichael. Two surnames, two first names. Why are they categorised that way? Yeah, that's really random. That's so odd. Now, am I hashtag overthinking line of duty? Well, it's a very good observation. I mean, you have also been a detective on finding out what happened with world productions and content television. I think television. somebody sent us the screen grab of that. I didn't really do much. Also, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I'd scribbled another note here. This again is not a theory. But Rebecca, you did an interview on BBC Radio Nottingham earlier this week. Now, it was on at 10 to 12 in the afternoon on Monday. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. Oh my God, it was Monday yesterday. It was Monday, yes. So you did an interview on BBC Radio Nottingham and um, they played the, the, the final scene, you know, just to kind of bring people up to speed on what happened. So it's, it's the standoff between Kate and Ryan and live on BBC Radio Nottingham at 10 to 12 in the morning, <laughs> you hear Kate go, drop the fucking gun. And then they're like, and now we'll speak to Rebecca Shackleton from the Shrine of Duty podcast. And nobody <laughs> batted an eyelid. I didn't even bat an eyelid. I won't, I won't lie to you. Oh, it was very but funny. They played it on... They played it on the BBC as well and I was just like sitting there because I could hear them playing it but I couldn't see anything and I was actually praying for them that they didn't forget to cut it because I'm like, the 
Ofcom complaint to be through the roof <laughs> oh now my God. on a Monday morning. Um, but they did. Now, guys, do we we do, do we have a trailer for episode six yet? I haven't seen one. No. No. Do we have a, a little bit of info about what's going to happen in the next episode? Oh yeah, we actually do have a little Here, bit. Of it's info in the WhatsApp group in the Look at <laughs> Media. Among, yeah, quick talk okay. among yourselves there, and I'll whip it up. Also, I'll just tell you a quick what Jed said. Right? Yeah, go on. So he didn't have Adam really to say. Like, remember the last season? He was flat out with the revelations on Twitter. He's not saying much these days, but he did reveal that the prison van shootout from episode four, yeah. when Steve had his James Bond um, moment, it took three days to shoot, and they done a whole day of that in a studio yeah in the titanic studios yeah i thought that was so cool because it always looked outside but like you know when like when they were in the van they were inside uh, guys i found the uh i have it you have a brilliant go go for it hannah this is a series this is season six season six season six episode six that's going to be airing this sunday yeah imagine the last 30 seconds didn't happen and i just went straight into this as <laughs> ac12 struggle to deal with the repercussions of tragic events Tragic, I wouldn't really call the death of a murderer tragic, but fair enough. Hastings makes one final bid to uncover institutionalised corruption before his time runs out. Oh my goodness, it's going to be another amazing episode, guys. This series has been fantastic so yeah. far. It really, really has. It's 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 picked up. And I know like they really hyped up episode four. Four episodes was stress. the one with the van. Yeah, yeah, they really hyped that up. But honestly, guys, episode five for me was head and shoulders above yeah. it. Yeah, I, I loved it. Completely agree. Completely agree. Well, guys, episode five was brilliant. Is someone going to die next week? I just want to really quickly hear you say that everyone's going to be fine. No, because we had we had episode four where Steve was fucked. We had episode five where we're like, oh Jesus, Kate, are they just going to? not hype this one up as much and then just boom kill someone and we won't be able to cope Hastings makes one final bid before his time runs out I know that's obviously to do with Rohan being like dead with whatever time you have left but what if he's talking about your actual time in your whole life and not just your time in AC12 there's been a few lines from Ted this season to be like I'm carrying on you and I know he's speaking in relation to his time at AC12 but he's like carry the fire or the flames or whatever and he's he's said a few there's been a few poignant moments with Ted this season and there's been lots of Tedisms and like Jed is Mr. Ambiguity like I have it I have a feeling and I don't want to call it a terrible feeling because I really like Chloe Bishop and I think I like Chris but if this show continues on and there's lots of people that are saying that because there's the seventh episode that it's the end and there's a lot of loose ends being tied up and a lot of callbacks to other series so I'm actually very very worried that this could be it we'll be out of a job we'll be out of the bleeding job guys what I'm that's half my worry but um big little lies it, three Christ <laughs> lose 15,000 Twitter followers in 10 minutes <laughs> but if it isn't the end I do think because like Vicky McClure and like Steve Arna I was about to call him Martin Combs they've all been doing this for 10 years they could potentially want to move on we don't know what they're contractually obliged to Chloe and Chris could be the new 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I the first really like that to email continue theory. things on. Yeah, I really like the email theory that Rebecca had earlier from that person that said Chloe won't be bent after making that point. That email is bang on the money. And also, guys, maybe Ted is going and maybe Chloe is going to, Chloe, Steve and Kate together could, yeah. be, could carry on the legacy of AC12. I mean, we Ted is retiring either way, it looks like at the moment. Kate had, moves back from yeah. MIT to head up AC12 with Steve and Chloe. Oh, oh. yeah. Yes, yes I I'd also, watch that. Just one place to put your head this week when you're watching the show. I forgot to mention this tweet earlier on from at SBM West Sussex said, don't forget that this point in the show is when the 90 minute episode should have started. And then it looks like over the pandemic, Jed decided to split it into two episodes. It doesn't seem like that was always the case. And then they announced the seventh episode oh. yeah, just before the yeah. show started. So it should have been the gunshot and then into the final 90 minute finale. But now we're going into two. They so. obviously couldn't edit it down. There was too much good stuff. So I can't wait to I see what's going on. I say it the edit. Exactly. So essentially, the next two edits are one, or next two episodes are one big long finale which is a very exciting way to think about the next two weeks guys we can't bloody wait that is it for this week's Shrine of Duty thank you so much for listening thank you for being such gas crack on Twitter every week and for sending in the most detailed emails full of theories we really really appreciate your support honestly it has made the last few months or weeks so much fun we've been in a lockdown here in Ireland for what feels like an eternity four years and being able to chat about the best show on TV with people who are like minded and absolutely hilarious has made the experience so so much less lonely in my opinion so thank you for that it always feels like you're just chatting to your pals it does um, if you yeah. haven't done you can hit the subscribe button if you wouldn't mind giving us a cheeky five star review while you're there that would be fab we have been trolled a bit about the sound um, if you are in a position to you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash shrine pod shout out to some new patron Kate this week Angela Dorgan Go Jill on, Angela. Rowe Tracy Clifford Go on Tracy Sarah Jackson Tony Hamlin, Luke Hegarty, Rowan Nichol- Nicholson, and so much more. Go Rev Mila Mahogut. <laughs> Take care, and we will chat to you next week. End of your terminated. Go on. Piss off. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrine Pod. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.